to another episode of Fan Fuel Podcast. I am your interim host, Colton Cranmore. Normally, I'm just down there making funny faces, but Alex is out for work this week. I am joined, as always, by Nathan Ball. Oh, just that side. Um, Nate, you've got damn near perfect attendance on this thing. Yeah, I would say so. I don't I don't believe I've missed that many episodes. I can't think of any, actually. Yeah, well, we're just hammering away at Alex here. Um, again, it's Fan Fuel, the f- show where fans fuel talk about motorsports. And tonight, we might have a heated episode because the F1 finale was this last weekend. There have been a lot of opinions floating around about it. We all have our own opinions, and we're going to be joined this week by a motorsports super fan and one of our first followers on Twitter. Um, please welcome to the stream, Gabriel Ryer. Hello. What's up, Gabe? Well, you know, finals week, F1 finale, coinciding with that, really, really fun, really stressful. Hell yeah. You're going to school. What are you going to school for? Uh, Music. Uh, Just general, just a general music degree right now. Hell yeah. And where do you go to school at? Where do you, who is Gabe? Where do you live at, Gabe? Um, I, I live in a hamlet called Calcium, New York, and I'm going to school down in Albany at the College of St. Rose. Hell yeah. Tell us, let me lean back in my chair here for you. Tell us a little bit about who Gabe is before we really get into everything. When, right, when um, did you get into racing? Tell us about you. Uh, for as long as I remember, I've been a racing fan it was nascar up until about three years ago um i lived with my grandfather and he watched the races so i naturally got into it and then as i'm getting older and becoming less of a fan of nascar i found myself drawn to indycar and more prominently formula one which is where i would say i'm about 70 percent is my home now as far as my favorite to watch is yeah yeah because when i see when i first i mean you and nate were both like two of my first ever like racing followers on twitter um so i mean i i've interacted with both of you guys for years um and ever since i've really kind of talked to you you've been to me a primarily f1 guy so that doesn't make a lot of sense um you seem to be very very knowledgeable about it you do not hide the fact that you are a max verstappen supporter (laughs) no 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 yeah yeah he's yeah, he's interestingly like the bridge that I needed to get into F1 because if I go there and it's, you know, 20 Lewis Hamilton's driving, it would be kind of weird going from NASCAR. But you have Max Verstappen who drives a Formula One car like it's a stock car sometimes yeah. for better or worse. So, yeah, we've seen the adage uh, crash Stappen on there. Oh, yeah. That was a yeah, thing for a while. Uh, no. But, hey, like, I mean, he's balls to the walls. And we'll, we'll get into that later. Trust me, there's mm-hmm. going to be plenty of time for beef. Um, let me get back to my damn notes here. Nate and I both get irritated at Max rather often. We do. Like, it's, it's not an easy life being a fan of his. And you guys are also both Denny fans. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, that's... That's how we met. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think we were on... We were on the subreddit for NASCAR for quite a while, and then I quote unquote left the sub, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically the exodus to Twitter. Yeah. Summed up. Yeah, and like the rest is literally history. Now we're here. 
Yeah. Hell yeah. We've been meaning to get you on for a little while now, Gabe. I'm glad this is a, a perfect time in my, to get you on after what happened this last weekend. Um, I mean, all the drama that was going on, I know it's finals week, but man, this is, this is going to be awesome here. I want to know, you mentioned music. What, and I've asked you this on Twitter before, and I cannot remember the answer. How many instruments can you play? Um, I can play flute at a high level. Um, I can, I can play a piano, not very well. Um, and I also have a bass and a regular guitar. I will say that I can play bass. I am not knowledgeable on guitar. Huh. So. Can you sing? Uh, I can, but not very well. We also got to chime in from our regular host, Alex. He says, hey, everyone, don't forget to chime in to the comments for anything you want to ask Gabe or the guys tonight. Follow us through our discussion here. Um, what else do I got down for you, Gabe? I think I asked most of my questions while we were just, like, bullshitting before the show. And so now we got to figure out what I asked you. Nate, you got anything for him? Yeah, I want to know. Like, I know that he's always been a Max fan for pretty much as long as I remember. But like, what what switched with him with Alonzo? Like, I don't remember him being this big of a fan until this year. Um, I think the short answer is Silverstone. Mm, yes, because that that sprint race performance from him, top five drive of the year, and it's just the the more you like learn about his career and all the stuff that's happened and how he should probably have more wins than Prost, but doesn't just from pure circumstances, very unfortunate. So, and he's just someone that wants to race. That's his, that's his personality, an introverted guy that wants to race. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah, he's due for, I think, a 24-hour cart race this week. He did 150 laps yesterday in testing. And that's fresh off of a doubleheader in F1 week. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he literally – that's all he does. Like, he doesn't do anything else. Gabe, have you been to any races, NASCAR or IndyCar or otherwise? Uh, I have been to one, and that was the first – New Hampshire race in 2012. Oh, that was the one Casey Kane won, wasn't it? Yeah. Nate, do you just know like every race? Well, like okay, so long story. Well, I, it's because, I know why he knows this one. It's because Hamlin pretty much had the car, right? He was like five seconds ahead or something like that. Because I went back and I watched this race again. Because the last time I watched it, I was like 10 years old. And he had a terrible pit stop. He lost like 10 spots. He drove all the way back to second in the last run or whatever without a caution. And then as soon as he gets there, he runs wide and he runs out of laps. So, so I, I remember that race because I was mad and that's, that's the only quality that I'll think of whenever I think of that race. Is that about the yeah. same thing being there live? <laughs> yeah. That's what I remember. And I, I always really liked Casey too. He was actually my favorite driver for a little while. And then I kind of lost interest in the sport and then came back and needed to figure out a driver. And so I picked Denny kind of, you know, out of a hat, essentially. And hmm. then that happened. So, you know. Yeah. Well, you've had your share of disappointments being a Denny fan, too. 
<laughs> I got to throw um, a chat. You guys, you're, you're both going to team up on me at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, I, I don't want a Ryan Blaney fan, you know, acting like we're full of disappointment over here. You know, I mean, like at least Dunny can win the races, you know. I could I could be like an Alex Bowman fan and be like, no, oh, we got more wins than Denny this season. Yeah, and then an average finish of what? Let's see. Yeah, one, six, eight, half eight. Is, yeah. Half yeah. is top fives. Yeah. I mean, I think I think William Byron had three times the lap sled with Alex Bowman. So like any argument about the wins is like out the door already. Oh boy. Oh, right. Yeah, he lucked into three of those. Alex in the comments here wants to know what your favorite genre is. I'd assume of music. Of, of music, uh, that is very complicated. Um, I, I listen to primarily metal, but I would say that I enjoy playing the Baroque style, the the Bach, uh, uh, Telemann, and Hattel tend to be my favorites there. The German Baroque style in particular. Um, and I really love the Romantic era and uh, Frederick uh, Chopin or Chopin, depending on how you choose to pronounce that. He's on my wall behind me. Um, so between that, I listen to just about anything that's good. My favorite singer is a Japanese pop rock singer. So, you know. Hell yeah. <laughs> gotta, gotta, have, gotta have variants. Yeah, you are the epitome of I'll listen to anything. Yeah, I mean, I one one of my favorite bands also is Alabama, so some Hell yeah. old uh, country rock. Hell yeah! So, Nate, you got any more for him before we? Oh yeah, jump yeah. off the deep end here. They're just random, like completely off the wall questions that have nothing to do with what we we're just talking about. So, let's see. I always ask this to every single guest. It's not like it's not like an individual thing. It's just I have to know this from every person I talk to. And that's like your all-time favorite paint scheme from like any car, any series, just you name it. Oh goodness! Um, the the one that immediately pops into my head is the 2017 to 2019 Toro Rosso. Oh yes, uh, bright electric blue. That's like my favorite shade of blue. That probably isn't my definitive answer, but that's the one that pops into my head immediately um yeah I, I actually really miss that car i mean the alpha tower doesn't look bad i just miss that car a little more yeah um yeah that the the 2017 fedex cares for danny as well i love the geometrical angles that are on it yep another one of his cars that got wrecked at indy it's like a tradition <laughs> fedex cares cars never uh Never get time. <laughs> well, no, one of them finished third. I, I don't, I don't remember what year it was, but one of them finished third, and that was it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, in 2017, it was a slightly different Jimmy Johnson spin away from winning. So, yeah. <laughs> and another question. Let's see. I mean, you're you're big into racing in general, so pretty much. Any historical race car you probably already know, so I have to know. You get one lap in one race car from any time period. Like, which one are you picking and why? Oh man. Um, oh, it has to. It has to be one of the Tyrrells that Jackie Stewart drove, and I would love to take it around the Nurburgring. 
the 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 full one, the short circuit, whichever. I don't I don't care. I love that racetrack. But so you're you're betting on your life that you can make it around that track in that car <laughs> in one piece. I, I'm I'm good at it on Forza, so yeah, <laughs> why not? Yeah, actually, it's above my head here. That's uh, that's uh, Francois Sever, I believe, 1971, Watkins Glen. He won that race and then unfortunately lost his life the next year at the same track. Yeah, so. the irony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, there's some there's some eerie stories with him, too. Yeah, like he, there's a lot of them. He looked very like distant right before he went out and he has a last picture where he's just like staring into the camera and it, it's, it's, it's a creepy little picture. I gotta say, but that's kind of like uh, in the movie Senna. Um, mm-hmm. He brings up that like Senna didn't want to race the San Marino GP. Yeah. Um, you know, but he felt like he had to, and he, 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 for the first time in a while, he opened a Bible like that morning before the race and read a passage and, you know, like, Creepy shit in racing, man. I know. It happens seemingly with everyone now. Yeah. Another kind of eerie thing that I noticed, I, I'm a huge fan of Brock Beard. Um, Brock, if you ever listen to this, huge fan. I met him at Las Vegas. Um, but the uh, the documentary Three Before February is super good. Oh, you can check it out on YouTube. Um, it's yeah. amazing. I've probably seen it 12 times. But the Adam Petty was killed, the 45 car, the Petty Legacy. Well, then the next driver that dies is Kenny Irwin in the 42, which is also a Petty number originally right after Lee Petty as well died. It's just kind of weird how that all unfolded. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's those little coincidences are really something that like makes you makes you wonder. Yeah. Um, Well, we've kind of built this up for a little while now. I'm going to bring up the topics because you two are much more well-rounded in Formula One than I am. I'll chime in with stuff that I know about or that I have an opinion about, but I'm really just going to let you two bounce off each other and run with this for the most part. So for the F1 finale, there sure is a hell of a lot to unpack here. I want to know first off um, about the Latifi hate for causing the safety car. Why, Why is he getting so much hate? That's... That's just a massive eye roll from me. Anybody that's sending Latifi hate. He, he really seems like one of the nicest people that's on the grid, too. He, um, he unfortunately, uh, in a battle with Mick Schumacher, back down towards, you know, 16th or wherever they were, um, got off the track, got onto the dirty runoff, and then it looks like either cut a tire or it just spun it and went right into the wall and caused that last safety car. And it's, uh, it's very unfortunate. And that safety car is ultimately what started the whole uproar of the weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nate, what are are you on the same side? The the people like I'm on the same side as him because like, obviously it wasn't intentional. You know, he didn't, go into the corners like, oh, man, I really want Lewis Hamilton to lose this title. You know, like he never intentionally thought that. Like he's not going to crash on purpose, obviously. You know, it's not – this is not Renault. It's not 2008, you know. 
Hmm. I just, I don't see why they're mad at him because he got pushed off the track. He probably got a bunch of dirt all over his tires and that was it. Like, I don't think that there should be people on Twitter saying that, you know, he's fighting for 15th. You know, is it really the end of his life if he doesn't pass that car? It's like, well, he still has a job. Like he's maybe he's not racing for points, but he still has to race. And people seem to just forget that, you know, if you're not racing for points, they're like, you know, you shouldn't be racing or whatever. There's no purpose. And, but if there's no reason to race, then these, they're not going to race. Like, they're not going to show up anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that might be, that might be funny coming from, from Nate and I, because we are both uh, pretty big uh, haters of Jeffrey Earnhardt for uh, oh, yeah. 2018 Indy. But the difference with this is that he was racing very like cleanly with uh, Schumacher. Uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt just went straight into the grass at Indy and then crashed, racing for 36. So it's it's like it, it's the circumstance of the driving that is different there. Like Latifi has no fault in that incident whatsoever. I don't even think Mick really does either. That's a terrible part of the racetrack to be side by side in for anybody. So, and, and I mean the people going at Latifi, they aren't they aren't worth the time of day, honestly. Yeah, I think they're more just like you know this guy like our our guy lost. Like we need to blame somebody. Yeah. yeah, I mean if they if they blame Red Bull and Max, I think there's still a conversation to be had there. But if it's if it's Latifi that they're blaming, they're, they're not worth talking to. Yeah, yeah, and they're the same people that say, you know, oh, you know, oh, Petrov, you know, he had he should have, you know, he should have raced Alonso even harder. And it's like, well, now that he's in the same position of losing a title based off of another car, they're like, oh no, now we don't need him to race. It's like, I don't understand it. Like you have to pick a side, and I don't really think you should fault the guy for racing if it's if it's not for a title, it's like, they still have to race. I mean, they can't just do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the front of the weekend, the Checo qualifying run kind of helped Max get the pole. Am I, am I right there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way that Red Bull gets the pole or get, yeah, gets the pole without the toe off of, off of Sergio there. I mean, there's there's no way. Yeah, I would have to agree. I don't I don't understand why people are mad at that because it's pretty much a tale as old as time with these cars. Like usually, the number one driver will get a tow. It happens at Monza. It happens at other places. It's just people are just mad now because it's a title fight. Like if this was Monza or whatever, nobody would care. Right, right. That makes sense. Circumstances play more into the fact of the anger. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's amazing that Mercedes didn't do that, or at least I don't think they did. That's yeah, that's kind of odd. They they've had a, they've had a lot of weird like strategical errors this season. Yeah, it makes you wonder. You know, they they've been so far ahead for most of the few years, other than the couple of years where Ferrari was there. It just seems like I, I don't want to say they're lazy, but it just seems like they're they're making mistakes they normally wouldn't make because they're probably in a closer fight than what they would normally be in. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's very fair. 
Um, what are your guys' thoughts on the new configuration that we saw? Um, it's a racetrack now. It's not a very good racetrack, but it's a racetrack. Was it not? Was it an even worse one before? Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't even want to call it a racetrack. It's a, it's a parking lot around a hotel. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. Like, I didn't mind the, the chicane thing at the end of the backstretch, but it was just sector three that I didn't like because all the corners were 90 degrees. They were off camber, so they're just they, like they don't promote racing. They're just difficult. They're cumbersome. They're annoying. If you've ever played that track in any game, it's just not fun. But I did like the new, whatever you call that, is it turn five, turn six, whatever corner it is, the long left-hander. That was pretty cool because you would see people try and go on the outside. You would see people try and do switchbacks, all that kind of stuff. So it was yeah, the bank it wasn't corner. terrible, yeah. but it wasn't great either. Yeah. Until they change sector three, it's always going to be a mediocre at best circuit, I think. Yeah, and there there isn't really much of a way to fix it without tearing the hotel down. What what do you guys think about the FIA, the news coming out about the FIA considering not allowing team discourse over the course of the race weekend? Oh, Meaning, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> okay. You, <laughs> I'm on that same I, side too because seeing all the shit that's come out especially in the last weekend like why was that even a thing before i i don't know they did it once at silverstone where they showed it on the on the tv broadcast and then it just started going everywhere every five seconds you have you have horner wolf whining about something or another and i'm just like okay can we can we stop now yeah even on the last lap of the season you know they're they're broadcasting the, the audio of toto wolf just screaming <laughs> into his microphone he was like you know this is not right i don't know what it was saying but he's he even asked them he's like hey can we not do a safety car here or something like that yeah and that's like, like i don't understand it i don't like it just because it feels like they're trying to lobby rather than they are call a penalty. Like a couple of weeks ago, they were like, we, we want to negotiate this deal with you. You know, like, do you want to start in third? Do you want to start in second? You know, it's like, I don't know. It's like, they're the stewards. But <laughs> yeah. It seems like the team principals are just, they're just bargaining with them. Yeah. And that, that isn't, that isn't right. That's not what the FIA's job is there. That's not what the stewards job is there. Yeah. Just, for anyone who who isn't aware of it, just imagine like, oh, Alan Gustafson hopping on the radio and talking to the NASCAR officials at the Charlotte Roval and telling them like, hey, don't throw this caution yet. <laughs> oh, like, oh, oh no, I don't. Oh, <laughs> try to try to oh. jump down that rabbit hole. Yeah, that I mean my. My one take about that whole thing with Chase is I said if that back if that back bumper had a FedEx written on it, that would have been a black flag immediately. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. What okay, let's get in to the shit here. So under that safety car, there were there were five lapped cars in between Hamilton and Verstappen, correct? Something like four that. or five, yeah. Four or five, and under the discretion of the race director, which we'll get into him here in just a minute, he's got his own chunk of shit we're going to deal with. Um, 
they were allowed to pass, but not every lapped car was allowed to pass. Just those ones in between those two. And they went green for one final lap, which then led Max to overtake Hamilton. Walk me through that and what your guys' opinions are. I mean, you guys are fully immersed into F1 Twitter. So you guys are had a front row seat for all of the bullshit that went on this weekend. Gabe, unpack this here for me. Because being a casual viewer, I didn't watch the race. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's normal in safety car periods when there is lap traffic to have all the lap cars pass the safety car, pass everybody, and then wrap their way back around the track and join at the tail end of the field. Um, and only half of the lap cars did it this time, and it was only the ones in between the two championship protagonists, as Crofty would say every 10 seconds. Um, now, that's not normal. That's not right either. Like, that that's... That's just not correct to do, in my opinion. Um, and it, it, Mercedes has every right to complain about that. It, that's not normal. That's not how it's ever been done. I mean, they've thrown red flags for less this season, in my opinion, and that probably would have been a better option if they wanted to get that last bit of the race in, which, I mean... I think that they're correct in trying to rush that because you don't want this incredible championship battle ending under a safety car as much as I think it probably should have from a very objective standpoint. And obviously I'm happy it didn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that it's, it's just, it's an unprecedented move that even the legality of it is very gray as well. Yeah. Because I think there was like a picture of the rule book where it said, you know, once those guys can unlap themselves, they have to do one more lap of safety car. But they didn't. They just said, yeah, you guys can unlap yourselves. We're going to race. Like there wasn't the extra lap. There wasn't all the lap cars being allowed to do it. At first they said nobody can pass. And then they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Now, now we're going to let people pass, but only you can pass. And, you know, some of the drivers were, like, laughing at it on the radio. And they're like, you know, I don't know what's going on. Like, what is this? And, like, I think there was a quote from Alonzo where when they told him, it's like, yeah, so, you know, not everyone can pass, but some of them can. And he's like, you know what, I understand. Because, like, he obviously knew what they were trying to do. Like, he knew the whole reason behind it. And it's just, like Gabe said, like, all this could have been avoided. Just throw a red flag and you're done. Because you would have had enough laps to – re-rack everybody they would have had a standing start which probably would have been even more dramatic than what they had yeah so it's like, I think... so I, i'm confused here as to where the hell the uproar comes from other than lewis not winning the championship because as a fan of most other motorsports other than formula one that makes sense to me like you know get the lap cars out of the way even nascar used to do it where they'd line them up in the bottom line and let everyone else race it out and is it the fact that not all of the lap cars could pass, or is it the fact that they let lap cars pass? It's the fact that it wasn't all of them. Yeah, and plus well, the fact that like it went against the written rules. Well, what would the have rules. the rest of them passing done? Well, it uh, would have ended the race under safety car, which is why they didn't do it, I think. Because under rule, it says that they would have had to run one more lap of safety car to do that. For whatever reason, I don't know what the reason is. It just says that in the rule book, and... 
Like, I'm not mad at them trying to race a green flag finish. I'm just mad at the fact that they they chose the worst way to do it possible. Like, they didn't just do the red flag. They didn't end it under safety car. Those were, like, the two simple options, and they chose the one that was the most, I don't know, suspect. Yeah, it's, they, they, they ended up doing this, like, really weird hybrid of everything. And it's not exactly like it, it's it's unprecedented they they've never done this before and yeah the legality of it even is not exactly there so it's just it, it wasn't the right thing to do so is it now i'm trying to understand from there went my binder from the lewis fans <laughs> anger here why are they upset are they upset because they seem to be upset at max and is that like a season-long frustration thing or is that just they're upset at the stewards and kind of pushing it off on a max because he won both <laughs> both all right it, it's yeah. both yeah i think so because i for the most part you know before this week you know they were you know like oh max for is a murderer you know he tried to kill lewis at monza and then it comes into this week where he didn't really do anything other than the suspect lap one dive bomb that regularly happens between both of them. Once that was out of the way, everyone was happy. And then the safety car happens and they're mad at the fact they lost. So they're like, Oh, you know, he didn't deserve this championship. The officials gave it to him. And it's like, they, they seem to think that he had something to do with it. Gabe, you had a heated tweet about he deserved the championship. Yeah, I mean, the guy set the record for most podiums in a single season. You want to say he doesn't deserve a season-long championship? I mean, th- like, if if three things don't happen, Max wraps this up at Mexico. So, yeah, right. it's like... <laughs> like, there is like, no... Mercedes no came on strong at the end, and they, they did an amazing job. But... <laughs> Yeah, like go, I'm gonna go, have to go bring ahead. Gabe completely because I think I don't I don't think they understand the concept of give and take when it comes to the luck side of things. I think obviously he had a terrible singular instance of bad luck in that last race that took him out of the title fight, but at the same time they forget all the luck that put him into that title fight because, like he said, if he doesn't blow a tire in the lead in Baku, the title does not go to the last race. If he does not get taken out on lap one at Hungary, the title does not go to the last race. If he doesn't get taken out at Silverstone, the title doesn't go to the last race. So you you put all those things together and you think, you know, maybe Hamilton was more lucky at the fact that he even did get to go to the finale tied in points because nine times out of 10, he wouldn't have had that chance. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, so I started kind of watching following Formula One right about the time the Lewis Hamilton Sebastian Vettel thing happened, where Lewis kind of ran Seb off. I don't even remember what track it was, and then Seb did the whole change the numbers right from the cars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where was that? That was fun. Canada. Canada. Okay. Yeah, so that was about the time I really started to follow F1, and from then the only two things I learned was that Mercedes are whiners, and then Lewis and his fans are kind of whiners too. Everyone whines. This is, this is just yeah. I mean, I mean, Christian Horner has the crown for whining to me. I, I can't. I can't stand I'm not it. Even 
refute that. I mean, my driver <laughs> has literally made a history of whining radio quotes. So, like, I can't really <laughs> deny it. I, I, I think they have a point. It's just the way they say it is just hilarious to me. Like, they never say it in, like, an articulate way. They're just, like, you know, they're, they're, they just sound like they're crying the entire time, which is it's a little bit annoying, but it's quality entertainment. Well, fair enough. At least it, it, it came to fruition this last weekend. Especially, oh, yeah. and I did see, oh. I saw a news article. I didn't read it, but it said like Lewis um, encouraged Wolf to um, take back the appeals. I don't even remember where I saw it. It was probably just an opinion article. Um, I don't even know if it actually happened. Can you? Yeah, that's me? a rumor. Okay. I don't know if that's a hundred percent true yeah. or not, but I mean, if it if it is, I mean, it really just shows like that Lewis understands what happened that he had, you know, 22 races to do this and mm-hmm. it's not Max's fault. This happened. Right. So there, there's no reason to try to like overturn the whole championship. Yeah. I think he probably just realizes like, you know, I just, just stop. It's not worth fighting, you know, especially like he said, there's 22 races and you know, if he doesn't, let's just say he doesn't miss turn one at Baku, that's 25 points. To Max is none. He wins the title with that. You know, if he doesn't run seventh at Monaco when his teammate was third before his teammate had a four hour pit or 40 hour pit stop or whatever it was to, to get that stuck tire off, then he probably wins the title. You know, if he doesn't, you know, if he gets onto the podium at Turkey after starting outside the top 10, he probably wins the title. If he doesn't get outrun at Monza by his teammate, he probably wins the title. So there's a lot of things that he didn't do that that kind of cost him. Whereas you look at Verstappen and you can think, you know, he never got outrun by a teammate. You know, he never really crashed by himself. The only time he ever crashed was together with Hamilton. And most people would say it's like a 50-50 thing. So it's just, it's just part of racing. I think he knows that you could change any one particular thing and he would win. Yeah, well, and – to your guys' point, too, I mean, had a couple things not happened, right? Had Silverstone not happened the way it did. Um, had Hungary not gone the way it went, Max would have wrapped this thing up weeks ago. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, um, it, it, it goes Max back. lost. Yeah, Max lost. I, I should have done the full math, but he lost 50, 60 points through little to no fault of his own. And this isn't even taking in Monza because that was mostly on Max. Yeah, I'll that was say. just. But yeah, yeah, I don't really think Baku that... completely not his fault. Yeah, and I, I've seen people on Twitter saying, "Oh, he should he should have managed his tires better." And it's like, well, there, one, there's no curbs at Baku that are rough. There's like all the tire blowouts were sudden. The teams had no warning, so it's just people are just trying to figure out ways to to put blame on Max because they don't like him. Like at Silverstone, they're like, oh, you shouldn't have turned in. It's like, well, how is he supposed to know that Lewis is going to miss that corner? Like he's not a, he's not a wise man, you know? Yeah. My, my, I think my favorite take of the whole F1 season was on the Silverstone one where it's like, like Max shouldn't have turned in. I'm like, well, you see cops is a corner. You turn there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like 
if Hamilton doesn't miss the corner, no one has a problem. Like he left the space. He didn't really do anything dirty. It's just Hamilton didn't want to give up the place and he missed the corner. Yeah. And I don't, I don't even blame Lewis for that either. Yeah. Like he just wanted, he didn't want to lose the lead. Yeah. You have to go for it there because sector three Silverstone is dirty air central. And then you're two seconds behind at the end of the first lap. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. He, he knew that if he backed out there, then chances are it's going to be an uphill battle from there on out. So his thought is like, you know, if I can get it now, then I probably win the race, which to be fair, I don't fault him for that. I just, it was a little bit sloppy, like the execution of it, which, which is perfectly fair, but the complete, the complete refusal to put any blame on him is ridiculous. I will say off topic here, I started playing some F1 video games last few weeks. I'm getting really into it. And the only tracks I haven't driven yet are, uh, I think it's just Abu Dhabi now. Um, but fuck Silverstone, man. I do not like that track. <laughs> That's the best I, don't like, are, I don't like Baku. Are you playing it on a, on a controller? Yeah, so I don't have my wheel set up. That that makes oh. sense. Because I'm a controller person, and I love playing Silverstone on most controller games. It's just difficult to do, but I, I enjoy the track. Like, in Forza especially, it's a fun track. Ah, man, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, Baku's the same way. Normally, I try to play, especially open-wheel games, with a wheel. Um, yeah. But the way my table's all set up, I can't fit my wheel on there. But, man... Can't stand Silverstone with a controller. It'd probably be fun with a wheel. Yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, it, yeah, there's something about like the F1 games with the controller that I mean, it just melts your tires at tracks like Silverstone. Have you done Japan yet? Suzuka is like the worst. On yeah, Suzuka. See, I kind of like Suzuka, but I see what you're saying. Like, I like it. Oh man. Oh gosh, yeah, it's it's miserable on the F one games for me. I have to turn the AI down to like seventy just to just to be able to compete. Oh, see, so I race on sixty, and I'm still finishing like fifth. Uh, <laughs> oh. My thought is like most I'm, of the favorite tracks in real life just don't work out for me in games, especially the F one games. You know, like I would probably say if I had to pick a top three active track list. Just off preference and TV and stuff, then I'd probably say Silverstone's number one, Spa's number two, Suzuka's number three. But if you go to a video game, you know, I'm I'm completely terrible at Spa in the F1 games. I'm even worse at Suzuka, but I'm manageable at Silverstone. It's just it never works out the way I want it to work out. Now, on the opposite side, France, I think, is an awesome track. Oh, that, yeah, that's a pretty simple one on the controllers. Yeah, I think that's kind of why I like yeah, it. China in the game. That's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm good at China in the F1 games. Yeah, Spain, I, I love France on the on the games. Yeah, France is a cool track. I don't know why more people don't like that one. Uh, it, it produces terrible racing. I, I was I was gonna <laughs> yeah, ask yeah, does it produce shit races? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, it was the worst. It was the worst race I've ever watched, like without it being just a complete disaster, like 2008 Brickyard or anything like that, oh was God, probably yeah. the 2019 French Grand Prix. Yeah, it was a meltdown. That was 
Oh, Lord. Yeah, there's few races that I can ever think of in F1 being that bad. And that was definitely one of them. I was not old enough to remember 2010 Valencia or 2009 Valencia. I, was, I didn't watch 2009. There were literally zero overtakes on that race. There were zero. Which it doesn't count lap one, obviously, but it's just impressively bad because when you consider yeah. that 2012 was an all right race, but it's just I I don't think I've ever seen an, a race outside of Monaco that had zero overtakes. Yeah, yeah, I think I had two overtakes through the whole race, and one of them was penalized. So, oh yeah, really, Last really time. good race that one was. <laughs> well, worst races of all time. Obviously, the 05 USGP is one of them. Yeah, I would yeah, say so. Was, yeah, I just learned yeah. about that one. That's like, without, without a disaster. I yeah. would think it would be it would be remembered more fondly if Ferrari was a Michelin team because then it would have left like two like backmarker teams to try and win the race with four cars. But the fact that Ferrari was one of the three Bridgestone teams basically meant that they were just going to run parade laps and they were still going to win. Man, yeah, that one's crazy. So in my recent yeah, learning true. of F1, I learned about that race, and that's fucking nuts. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm kind of happy for the guy that finished third. I don't know his name, but like he was some obscure driver, and he was so happy to be there. And then the Ferrari drivers are like, like what do we do? Like, do we celebrate this? Or Yeah. <laughs> A bit off topic, but that was a good discussion, man. I, I learned so much just from talking to you guys. Like, for real, no bullshit. Like, you guys teach me so much about F1 that I wouldn't have the balls to learn about on my own. What about... That's, that's our goal, because so, we're used to the newer fans for F1 that just don't... They just don't do any research at all. So they just come out... They come out swinging with their tweets and just saying random things that... They almost they still blow me away like they're that dumb. So well, if I can tell somebody about the history, I will gladly do it just to avoid there being more people like that. On the uh, the bad takes note, yeah. what about Sebastian Bourdais? Oh, man. Does anyone have? I'll pull up that tweet real quick. Oh, yeah, we we need to get some context here. Yeah, we com- we completely missed that talking point though. Sergio Perez is now the official minister of defense for the country of Mexico after that. Yeah. Like that was brilliant defending. Like he, he kind of let Lewis pass him in the first DRS zone, knowing that he was going to get DRS again and just went right past him and then held him up in that last third sector. It was like five seconds slower then Max's lap behind them. The lead went from like eight seconds to 1.2 in just two laps. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Like you would, you would literally think they just put Alonzo in that car or something when no one was looking. It's just, no one really knows what happened. It's just, he held him up. And then the next thing you know, like you see it, Oh, one second, like what happened? But that's just, they plan that out to such perfection. I mean, I don't think I've seen something so well executed just because of the pressure. Like they told him, you know, Hey, we need you to hold up Lewis, but nobody thought it was going to be that good. 
So I got the Sebastian tweet pulled up. It was in response to Will Buxton. Um, Will said, the Red Bull just doesn't look like it's got the race pace to keep up with Mercedes as Verstappen slips back again. But my word, what an incredible piece of defensive driving from Perez. And then Sebastian replied, I thought you loved racing. That was bullshit. I can't begin to understand how Perez can be happy with himself and how people applaud him for what he did. Purposely slowing down and using every dirty trick to impede Hamilton. Zero sportsmanship from the whole team, really. Garbage take of the week? Is that a new segment we got? Man, I... Yeah. Yeah. I just... I mean, it's tough because I try to like him because he lives... He lives like 30 minutes from where I live, and it's tough. Like, it's really, really tough to have to drag him. But I have no other choice because... First of all, you would have thought that he was a lap down based on the way Bourdais was talking, but no, he was leading the race. So he had every right to defend that, whether it, whether it was him trying to just slow Hamilton down more than it was trying to keep the lead for himself is besides the point because he's leading the race. He has every right to defend that lead, whether he's there off a of strategy or whether he's there on merit. Like there's no, there's nothing illegal about what he did. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Um, I mean, it's no different than what we see in, I mean, shit, tons of other times, right? Not only in F1, but, I mean, in NASCAR and any, most open wheel, you see some sort of defensive driving. Yeah. Oh, Alex is commenting, saying it's the best piece of driving in F1 all year. Well, I will disagree with that because Hungary happened, and Alonso did that for 11 laps in an Alpine <laughs> Yes, 11 laps in an Alpine. But that being said, I did like the defense. Like, it was really good. So I'm just – I have to get it in there because I want to brag about something Alonzo did. Yeah, the, yeah, hung, Hungary – I mean, like, Hungary is where it worked, too, because Ocon would not have won that race if, yeah. if Alonzo yeah, didn't wins. do that. That that cost Hamilton the title in hindsight. Finish my quote. Oh, stop being that. I don't want to see more takes on Twitter. All right, all right. <laughs> I don't want to see more Alonzo takes on Twitter. <laughs> all right, Alex. I will not be a fanboy, and I will say that he didn't make dangerous moves and he held them off cleanly, which, to his point, is a hundred percent correct, because he never really touched Hamilton. He never pushed him around. He just he just parked on the racing line and just crawled through sector three like by crawl i mean he crawled i will finish your quote alex for those listening he said fuck that guy best piece of driving in f1 all year he didn't do anything wrong didn't make any dangerous moves and held him off annoyingly cleanly in you know uh talking about perez um nate also jesus christ you are a fanboy of alonso so what like <laughs> i'm not a fanboy i'm just passionate no i agree but, I mean, to Alex's point, yeah. No, I just had to refute the best piece of driving in F1 part. Like, I'm, I'm. That's my only question. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you, you can't say that. Like, you can't say that around me. Y'all can go through Nate's um, Twitter at Big yeah, Nate yeah, but one instead of an I in Big. And like, you know what? I'm gonna post like something right now just to prove your three point. quarters of his tweets are Alonzo tweets. All right, I just here's the last couple weeks. 
You want to see another one? They're Alonso, Denny, random. Alonso, Alonso, <laughs> random. Like, right. Like, I mean, it's not my fault. I support the greatest driver to ever live. All right, stick in your guns. I like it. Okay, Jim. Right, right, I might be a little bit wrong there. <laughs> Just a little bit wrong. Yeah, Jim Clark is no longer alive, sir. Yes, he, he still exists. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we. Here's another. I I put another tweet out for you just just because you said that. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll make sure to go like it before the stream's over. Yeah. Um. What about the race director? No more Massey. You guys agree with that? No, get rid of him right right now. Get get rid of him okay. yesterday. That was that was that was terrible. Yeah, he's got to go. Like I don't think he has a backbone for the same point that. I genuinely believe his his calling seemed like it was just to keep the championship close. Like I think that if Verstappen was second in points at Jeddah, he would not have been penalized for whatever he did. But because he was leading the points, he they were like, okay, cool, we can penalize him. They'll go on points tied. I I don't think that if Hamilton was the one that did it, they wouldn't have penalized him because they're like, oh, I don't want to end the championship. So. I, that's what happens when you don't have a backbone. Like that's all there is to it. Yeah. The the race director needs to be a decisive figure. And we have not had a decisive figure since Charlie Whiting passed away before 2019. And even in 2019, there was a few little suspicious incidents that I can think of with Leclerc that I'm like, oh boy, this is this is looking like it could get messy in it. Yeah. And it has gotten messy, very messy. And I mean, I, messy. yeah, it's right. um, like this whole season, the, the whole back half of the season was pretty disastrous. Almost every week there was some penalty that shouldn't have happened. And you had Max and Lewis racing like complete asses to each other because they knew that they could literally take each other out and only get a 10-second penalty for it. So, like, like I, I blame Silverstone for it because Lewis Hamilton should have never been able to win that race. Like, he should have had a full-on drive-through. If he had a whole drive-through penalty, a lot of what happened later on in the year never would have happened. Yeah, I think it's That's, just a point where... That is my take. <laughs> They just they didn't call it strictly enough every time it did happen, so it just got out of control, and it's to the point where they're no longer in control of the drivers. They like they've lost whatever semblance of authority they have. Like they, the drivers are kind of just they. The drivers are basically the inmates running the prison now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. And, and you yeah, don't want Max running race control. control. Yeah. No. 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 To Gabe's point, I mean, I do think Silverstone's where it all started because that 10-second penalty was not enough for the incident that took place. Um, and again, that set the president for the rest of the year as far as how much you could do and what you would be charged for it. Because if you get anything super stiff beyond that for not doing anything more ma malicious than Lewis did at Silverstone, um, then, I mean, there's obviously an appeal that could be made. And so that ruins your entire the whole integrity of the of the race director. Yeah, and I, and it it's it's a position that I can empathize with because it is tricky, 
to be able to do it correctly and be very decisive about things. But at, at a certain point, he's had three seasons now to figure it out, and it hasn't gotten better. It's actually gotten worse. So just, like I said, fire him yesterday. There, there's no reason for him to still be there, unfortunately for him. Yeah, I think his final words, uh, quote unquote, in office, if you want to call it that, the, oh, we went motor racing like that. That was basically the, the one interesting thing he's done. I wish that was his quote every time. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I wish that was his response to every yes. situation. All right, let's see. We got a comment here. It's not hard to concentrate when those rules are written concretely. Let me add it, he says. I mean, he's got a point. Those those rules are pretty black and white. And he's basically just he doesn't seem to think that way. Like he's like, Well, yeah, the rule says that, but I just want to be hands off because I don't want to ruin the championship battle with the penalty. Yeah, that's that's exactly it in the end. Yeah. Like they're just they're just they've lost everything control wise. Yeah. Um, we hit on the lapped car fiasco, which took up a good 25 minutes. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. I want to take a minute. Nate and I are very proud of this. We made a joke before the episode that this is episode 43, and we have spent the last 43 episodes consistently dogging on NASCAR for the playoff system. Formula One just had a year-long points format where they don't even award points to everyone. They just award the top 10. And they had one of the, if not the greatest points battle in their history play out. Why, NASCAR, do you constantly neuter the fans with possible good points finishes with this fucking playoff format? Why? (laughs) Ah. The the worst part about it is that this year, they could have had Max and Lewis. They could have. yeah, Larson <laughs> like, it, like it isn't like oh, last man. season where Harvick would have won it with five races to go. They yeah. could have had this tight and battle. If that happens, so be it. Harvick whooped all ass, but we would have yeah. we got robbed of such a great points battle between Larson and Hamlin. Absolutely, like you, you oh, already boy, know. I don't like Alex Bowman right now. It's a good thing we don't have that format. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're him, then he would probably never win a championship under that, but. I might go through, and I've seen these on uh, YouTube from the Iceberg. Um, he makes a lot of them, like, what if we had playoffs in 1994? Well, I'm going to create my own playoff format for Formula One and run it through, like, the last 15 seasons and oh see who the, pl- who the champion would have been. It's oh, probably yeah. still Lewis eight times, but. Yeah. Like, what, what is wrong? Valtteri Bottas, 2017, baby. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, who else we got? Let's see what we got. Um, hmm. <laughs> Oh, they would have been like, oh, Sebastian Vettel blows an engine at Korea in 2010. He's eliminated from the playoffs. You know, right. Mark, or no, no, no. Let's see. Like, whoever was third at Abu Dhabi is your champion. Yeah. Like Jensen Button or whoever. Yeah, Mark, Mark Weber. Mark Weber would have been a would have been champion in one of those years. What 2009? 10. He won the last race of the year. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the third one. Which I mean, 
I wish Weber won a championship, but you know. Yeah, 2010 was crazy. Like it was up until the last couple of races, there were five guys that were in like mathematical contention. And then once they got to the final race, they got whittled down to four. But still, I mean, like they literally got a final four without playoffs. Right. And that's that's exactly the point I'm trying to make. We had a worldwide captivating Formula One championship playout a world championship where people on my Facebook feed that I didn't even know knew more than one formula one driver were interested in this just because it was such a great battle. How many fans could we draw in from that Larson Hamlin points battle? Had it got to play out naturally. Yeah. Uh, quite a, quite a few, quite a few, it's, especially those last few races of the season where you're like, Oh, wait a minute, Larson isn't good at Talladega. He isn't good at Martinsville. And Denny's only this many points behind. He can really pull away here if things go right. Like, we we lost a lot in that sense because too many NASCAR fans are like, ooh, he lost up to title five races early. This is, this is terrible. Like, it's just sad because the whole point of a championship isn't to be entertaining. It's so that the best guy wins. Like if it's entertaining, that's just an added bonus. Yeah. twenty third or 2018, the top three were separated by six points after Homestead. And of course, none of those three won the championship. It was fucking Logano. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was a rough time. I Man. like, I, I like Logano and you know what? That was, a, I, I always think fondly about that because that's, probably the most badass pass I've ever seen uh, at Homestead with Logano. Or Homestead. No. Homestead, where he just right. just full throttle on the outside. <laughs> just right around Truex like he was standing still. Like, I mean, that that's crazy. And it's still crazy watching that now. But at the same time, he never should have been able to do that. It would still be a great pass if he didn't win the championship. So, yeah, they just, yeah, I, I just, I'm not, I, I don't know what it is, but everyone on Twitter does this to me like, oh, well, you know, the only reason you don't care about championships is because your driver hasn't won one. And it's like, well, no, I, I, I care about the F1 title because it's real. I care about the IndyCar title because it's organic. I, I just don't, I don't, place emphasis on the title because it's not like it's it's all just it's a toss-up like they're just they want entertainment and they're like okay cool now everyone now we get 1992 every year it's like it's not it's not special anymore yeah yeah, yeah. that's like it's lost its point like it used to just be like okay the best driver wins cool you know now it's just have fun you know there, there's no yeah. hope you do good at phoenix <laughs> yeah it's just um, I do want to hit on, uh, I got, I got this sent as a comment because I guess his Facebook is acting weird. My cousin Dustin, um, wants to know, um, of Jimmy Johnson's seven championships, how many were won under the playoff system under the current system? Just one under the chase format, six of his seven. And then the one in the current format. Um, and is that the reason for the playoff system? As far as the chase format, Matt Kenseth is the reason for that. Matt Kenseth and Sprint, um, or next till at the time. Um, and then as far as the modern format, yeah, sure. Jimmy's <laughs> yeah, probably, probably, yeah. Because yeah, you had those, 
five years in a row where he only had to finish 31st at Homestead or whatever yeah, it was. He pretty much just didn't mess up in the last nine races. Every other team, there were teams that were quick enough to to beat him, like Carl Edwards, 2008. He was definitely fast enough to, to win the title. Hamlin, 2010, another one quick enough. But they just, they just took themselves out with yeah. random mistakes, and Johnson would just – he would win a couple races early in the chase, build up his points lead, and then let everybody else just eliminate themselves, and that was it. But I don't really think that's a bad thing. Like, he, he gained the system correctly, and it always worked for him. I don't think that it's a reason to say, oh, you know, this guy's really good at our system, so let's just let's just rig it against him. Like, just And in the process, they've made it even worse because now it's just instead of rigging it against one guy in particular – They've just made it so that everyone that doesn't really have a case to win, now they get to win too. Gabe, what do you got for that? Uh, oh, yeah, I mean exactly that. I mean, my one of my one of my favorite drivers won a won a championship in 2018 because of the format. And you know, as happy as it makes me that that happened. It, at the same time, it, it it is rather hollow in in hindsight when you realize he you only have to win three races to win a championship. It doesn't matter what you do, other than that. And right. that's that's not quite the way that I like yeah. things going, especially when you have these seasons that we've had in all three of like the major series: NASCAR, IndyCar, and F one all had first-time champions that had some flawless seasons, like right. next to flawless from the driver perspective. And yeah. it, that that's that in itself is neat, but it is taken away the fact that Larson had to go through the nonsensical gauntlet that is the NASCAR playoffs. Yeah, I, I just – because – for a while, he had he probably had like the fourth best car at Phoenix, but the caution at the end really helped him. And I, I think that that shouldn't happen in the first place because he shouldn't have been in that scenario. Like he should have. If it was a ten race chase, then he would have had a good points battle and we would have enjoyed it. But it's just right. like you said, the only time the title doesn't feel hollow for me is if they would have won under without the playoffs. And not many people can say that anymore. <laughs> oh God! Alex does says that he blames Ryan Newman and his seven DNFs over Matt winning in two thousand three with one win. Had Newman not crashed so much, he wins the championship by a mile over Kenseth. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Newman had eight wins. Yeah, and had, yeah. He had eight wins and failed to finish seven races that season. Yeah, like it's just you know it's, it's, it is what it is, right? Like that's part of racing. I think that. Teams shouldn't be rewarded for for not showing up every single week. I, I think that you know if you win one week and you crash the next, like that that's part of racing. I don't think that that should magically reward you with a title because you won more than the guy that finished in the top five every single week. Yeah, and and we've talked about it. If NASCAR really wants wins to count more, just extend the amount of points the winner gets. Just give the winner sixty yeah, points, like and then go thirty nine, thirty eight, count it down from there. You know, or do what F one does and only give points to this many drivers. Only give points to the top twenty in NASCAR. 
You know, there's so many things they could do without completely screwing well, the entire like season with that format. Yeah, I would just, I would just keep it the way it is. You know, like IndyCar, everybody gets points, but just make it so that the, you know, the higher finishing positions get more points than the lower ones. You know, don't make it so that second place only gets one less point than a win, so on. Right. Right. I agree. Um, I mean, and it used to be like that. There used to be a huge gap at the top with that old original Winston Cup points format. And then it kind of tiered down from there to where if you were fighting for the last positions, there was like a two and three point difference between them. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. We still have Woker Joke. We've been live for an hour now. Thank you guys for watching. Um, mm-hmm. Gabe, again, thank you for coming on, dude. This has been a fun episode. Absolutely. Um, I want to hit on Woker Joke. Um, Gabe, I'm going to ask the questions to you, and then we'll kick it over to Nate, and then I'll fill in um, my opinions at the end. Woke or joke, for those of you who have not listened to the show before, this is a lot like spot on, spot off. You listen to Door Bumper Clear. I'm going to give a topic, and you're going to tell me woke if it's good and you agree with it, joke if you don't, and you're going to tell me why either way. So, woke or joke, Gabe, the Mike Harmon penalty was upheld. So, Mike Harmon did a testing session, which was a big no-no at Rocky he really shouldn't have. And he got, I think there was a $50,000 fine to his crew chief. He was docked 75 owner and driver points. And his crew chief was suspended the first six races. And that penalty was upheld. And I think it actually got deferred to Mike Harmon instead of the crew chief. Yeesh. Um, that's one of those complicated situations where it looks like they followed the letter of the law. But should the law really exist in the first place and that I'm not so sure about. Um, but I, you know, after, after the F1 finale, I have to say that it's woke just for following their own damn rules. Right. I agree. Like I think. <laughs> and being decisive. Yeah. And I do believe that the private testing, it's a cost cutting thing. You know, like when Jimmy Johnson used to test more than anybody, you know, Michael Schumacher used to test more than anybody. It was almost a thing where the other teams that didn't have the resources that Hendrick did, that Ferrari did, just couldn't keep up. And nothing against those teams. It's just, you know, they they wanted it so that teams could win without having to work six of the seven days of the week or whatever. It's just a method to to try and make it so that the winning gets done via speed and not just work. So... That being said, I don't think it's going to be a difference. If Mike Harmon gets to test an hour, it's probably not going to make him that much faster. But I just I, – I got to appreciate him because they follow the rules. I'm going to go I, – I do agree with that last part, that Mike Harmon getting that penalty really isn't going to make that much of a difference, nor is him testing going to make that much of a difference. You got to remember, this is the same team that drove their own car up the street to the – I think it was the gas station. Yeah. In like May. Um I'm going to go joke on the fact that, like Gabe said, does the law need to be there in the first place? No, it doesn't. But it, it's still the law. I mean, you still got to follow it. Um, the fact that they appealed it in the first place is really what I'm joking for. Um, they should have just taken it on the chin, got away with their testing data. And let's be fair here. The only reason they got caught, um, it isn't because NASCAR keeps tabs on what Mike Harmon's doing. It's because they posted pictures to their social media. That's a joke. Yeah, that wasn't a bright idea. Yeah, that's the only reason I got caught. <laughs> oh, God, is it? fucking known. Uh, I just don't get it. That's the most Mike Harmon racing way to get yeah. a penalty, too. <laughs> yeah. 
It's kind of like Bubba saying, admitting to spinning out on purpose and then getting the slap on the wrist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Uh, Gabe, GMS has bought out the majority stake of Petty Enterprises. So they are now GMS. I think it's GMS Petty Racing. Um, but they are going to bring back the iconic Petty 42 car with the same font. Woke or joke? Um. I, I'm I'm willing to say that this is woke as well because any for any sort of new management for the 43 is a good thing. I I definitely think that a majority of NASCAR fans want to see the 43 compete because they're NASCAR is a very historically minded fan base, and so the fact that we have you know the car that's won 200 races constantly running you know 20th. And that's on a good day when Eric Jones is carrying that thing is, is really bad. So any change of management that's looking to make a competitive team, I think that that's a good thing. I think that that's very woke, actually. Yeah, I would have to agree. It's just, I don't like seeing that car run where it does because it's, you think, you know, it's like, it's like watching Williams in F1 for the last few years. It's just, it doesn't feel right that they're just, they're basically a shell of themselves, and I do hope that whatever it takes to get them back to where they should be, like I will accept that, even if it's getting bought out. It's just something's got to change, and I hope that they can because I think Eric Jones is obviously too good of a driver to be in that bad of equipment. So if he can get better cars, then chances are everyone will be happy because the 43 up front is never a bad thing. Yeah, I'm going to go woke as well. Um just to the same point you guys did, any amount of life that we can breathe into this team is going to be great for the sport. Um, I think having the 43 get completely bought out and then over the course of the next decade or so um, kind of fizzled out and turned into a completely different image than what it is now um, or what it has been in the past is going to be a bad thing for the sport, especially for the history of it. Um, I am stoked that they might actually have good equipment for the first time um, in decades, and I'm especially stoked that they're bringing that damn 42 back in the same font. That's crazy that the 42 is owned by a petty again. That's awesome. And congrats or thanks to Trackhouse for letting that number go. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Trackhouse is becoming one of my favorite teams, just completely off topic there. Yeah, they, no, I'd agree. Trackhouse is there, Justin Marks is doing everything right with that team so far. Yeah, I'm liking it a lot because it seems like everything he's doing is is correct. I think he's setting trends that most people wouldn't think of. And I think maybe 20 years from now, if the sport's around by then, people will look back and say, you know, his team was the first, you know, new age team or whatever you want to call it that kind of set trends for everyone coming after them. So I, I think that's how it's going to be. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Next topic, Gabe. We just talked about GMS and Petty. Ty Dillon is going full-time cup racing. Are you woke or joke? Um, I guess woke for the only reason of there's not very many drivers that I think are better and deserve it more. Maybe Kaz Grala would be like the only one that I can think of. And that's all that there really is to that. I think Ty's a fine driver. Yeah. I would probably say woke too. Like, I don't think he's 
crazy special or anything, but I don't think he's bad either. I think that he's perfect for a, a mid-pack team. It, that just seems like his home. And when he was at Germain, he seemed like a decent driver because he was always up front at the super speedways. He was always doing decently. Like, I don't think you can ask any more of that. So I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm not like super passionate for or against him. So I'm, I don't, I don't know what to say. Right. I'm just kind of a neutral observer when it comes to Ty Dillon. Yeah. I'm going to go woke. I always thought that, and we've discussed it on here that I think Ty has more talent than Austin. Um, and we discussed that in, I mean, grave detail a few episodes ago between Nate, Alex, and I. Um, but I think Ty, I can, I think Ty can really wheel it. Um, granted, he didn't do much with the Joe Gibbs equipment that he was in this year in the Xfinity series. Um, but I still think he can get it done. Um, I think he's just aggressive enough to be relevant, and I think he's just conservative enough to know when he doesn't have a great car and to make the best of it. Um, so I think this is a great. Great spot for him to land in. I'm g- glad to see him full-time cup racing again. Um, next one, Rockingham is going to get, from what I understand, lights and repave. Now, I didn't look this up right before the race or right before the uh, the show, and so I don't know exactly what the hell is going on with Rockingham, to be honest. Sorry, Alex. So let me look that up real quick. In the meantime, Gabe, do you have any plugs you want to give? Um, <laughs> I didn't really think Sorry. about it. Um, if, if, if people want to follow me on Twitter, go for it. What's your, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, I believe it's just at Gabriel Ryer. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that's all it is. Okay. Gabriel, as it sounds, R-Y-O-R, if you want to follow him on Twitter, please do. Cause Gabe provides some hot yes. takes every once in a while and they're pretty damn fun to get into. Um, I pulled it up on Jayski here. Rocky, I, I, I turned one of your tweets. <laughs> yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, I I, tur- I accidentally turned one of your tweets semi-viral when you tweeted the picture of Denny and De Benedetto, and I quoted it saying Denny saved us all, and it's at like 150 likes or something like that now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was when I kind of supported De Benedetto. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mean that. Like, when I posted yeah. that, I thought it was just a picture. Like, I didn't mean this as, like, you know, I'm not trying to kick Matt DiBenedetto while he's down. Like, I'm just like, this is a cool picture. Like, it, it's just a legitimately cool picture. Yeah. Good job. It Gary. is. And in 20 years, when everything kind of, you know, slows down and away from it, people will look at that picture and be like, wow, that's that's one of the pictures of the decade right there. But now it's just kind of a joke because – yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was a good win by Hamlin, and people seem to forget about it. But as they do everything Hamlin related, they just forget about it. So, I pulled it up here on Jay Ski. Um, Rockingham Speedway will receive nine million dollars, and the plans are being finalized now to repave and add lights to the track in hopes of getting another cup date. Woke joke, Gabe. NASCAR possibly coming back to Rockingham. Is, They've got money. That is very. Very woke. I mean, you all know you all know my extreme hot take of there should be no track with two dates in NASCAR, and putting funding into a to a hollowed ground like Rockingham is is a step in the right direction. More unique tracks, 
I, I, I like everything about it. The only thing I'm worried about is the market because, you know, the, it came back for a little while and no <laughs> one showed up. Yeah. So we, we need people to, we need people to show up. We need people to watch. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you. I, I don't know if it's going to get a cup date, but I do think that even if it's like Arca or whatever, like that's fine. Like I just want to see something race to that track. I am going to go full woke. Um, I think the repave is the bigger, the bigger topic here than the lights. Um, if you guys remember, there was a truck race there about ten years ago. Yep. And that track was, I mean, it was in decent shape then, but it was still pretty rough. Um, and you got to remember, it wasn't in pristine condition when they stopped racing there in two thousand four. It was still kind of a rougher track. Um, but when the trucks raced there, and I think Arca still raced there at that time, it was it was getting to be super rough. Um, granted, Xfinity teams still test there, so there isn't potholes, and it's not like Nazareth with weeds growing through it. Um, but it's still not great. Oh. I think that repave is a step in the right direction for getting NASCAR back. They have all the amenities that they really need, um, especially since NASCAR isn't going through that attendance boom of 120,000, 160,000 people a weekend. Um, NASCAR at Rockingham is about the perfect size. Um, I think they could easily do it. And the lights is just kind of an added feature. Um, what better ammunition to have NASCAR add Rockingham back than to saying, Hey, they could put Rockingham at night, you know, all-star race. Hell yeah. I like where your head's at Gabe. (laughs) We'll, We'll argue about the, the no track deserves two dates on Twitter. We'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Oh, boy. You're, you're killing me here. <laughs> Last one I got for Woker Joe. <laughs> Kyle fucking Bush tested a next-gen car today. Woker Joe Gabe, he's getting into it pretty late, 10 days before Christmas. He's just now driving one of these things. Yeah. I think, I think in all honesty, it's a joke because he hasn't been testing it for so long. And I mean, this guy is, is in my opinion, the best driver in the sport. And he just has not had machinery to show it. Like, I mean, and you can see him in his interviews. He is broken while driving in NASCAR. He goes and does one rally cross event. He's smiling and laughing because he actually has to drive those cars. So it's it's a joke that he hasn't been testing these recently. I don't know if that's on him or on NASCAR or the team for that, but it but he need he he's one of the ones that you need to be testing these. Yeah, I'm happy that he's testing it. So I'll go woke on the fact that he gets to drive one, but then I guess I, I don't know where to put the blame as to him not driving one. Maybe just maybe he just didn't feel like testing, maybe some scheduled conflicts happen. I have no idea, but I'm happy he gets to drive it just because I think his comments more than his talent or the, that's like the must watch TV with him testing a car because every time he gets out of the car and gets in front of the microphone, that's like the most anticipated moment of the entire test session because you have no idea what he's going to do. And I think it's necessary to have somebody that's not going to tell it in the nicest way, but they're just, they're just saying what they have to say. Like, I think that it's a good thing to have because someone's got to be the critical one at the end of the day. Right. And it can't always be Denny. Yeah. Like he's, he's got to have a break every now and then. Um, 
I'm going to go joke <laughs> for the fact that he hasn't tested one yet. And I'm also going to go woke for the fact that he hasn't tested one yet. Let me explain here. So joke because he is one of the stars of the sport. He is I, arguably one of the biggest names in the sport. Um, and he, I mean, to Gabe's point, he's probably the best talent on the track. He needs to have driven one of these a little bit earlier. Granted, I think he has the talent to figure it out as he goes, um, but he needs to be out there. He needs to be giving that feedback from probably day one, in my opinion. However, I'm also going to go woke on the fact that he hasn't tested one yet because I think that says a lot about his um, his idea of the next-gen car and his thoughts on where the sport is going as far as what he's heard from other drivers, what he's heard from NASCAR saying what their direction is. I think he's kind of sending us a message without saying anything in the fact that he doesn't want to drive these things. And to Gabe's point, he's he's not the same Kyle Busch that we knew 10, 15 years ago. He's not. He's He doesn't like being out there anymore. There's been tons of rumors about a Gibbs guy stepping down after 2022 if he doesn't like these new cars um, and giving Ty Gibbs a spot. I think it's Kyle. Um, I think if Kyle doesn't like how these things drive after the first few races of the year, after halfway through the season – He's not coming back. He's going to pull a Jimmy Johnson, and he's going to go do something else. And by the way, Jimmy's going full-time IndyCar racing next year on ovals and everything. What a kick in the nuts to NASCAR to know that you lost one of your seven-time champions because he got sick of driving your cars. Yeah, he did one F1 test for fun, and he's like, yeah, cool. I, I don't like NASCAR anymore. Yeah. Like, the Toy Story <laughs> thing. I don't want to play with you anymore. Like, he literally drove that McLaren – for a seat swap and that was it like the rest was history yeah it wasn't even one of the good mclarens either <laughs> that's the best part i will also say i brought it up i think one time on here the funniest thing ever to me is that lowe's was jimmy's sponsor for years and years and years and after they stepped away that next weekend he did that f1 swap with alonso yeah. And the last person to ever drive a number 48 lowe's stock car was fernando alonso yes it's fucking great. <laughs> the greatest race car driver to drive a Lowe's car. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, Drew, Drew, you've been on here a few times now. How much has Truex been out there um, testing? It feels like Bell and Hamlin have been shouldering a lot of the Toyota's um, testing he's, lately. He's I'd been agree out there a little bit. He's like, been out he there a little bit. The first tests for the next-gen car, but he was another one that said that if he didn't like the car, he was going to retire. So I think that... He's got one more year left on his contract, and I think that it, his 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 status is literally going to solely depend on how this car goes because he tested it for the first part and he wasn't like an enormous fan of it. But I don't I don't know yeah. if he's tested since they did the first couple months of testing. Like he hasn't done any recent stuff. Yeah, and I mean Truex isn't the guy to go out and straight up say what he doesn't like about a car like Hamlin and like yeah. Kyle Busch will. Um, and so maybe that is his way of kind of saying, I don't like this. I'm just not going to do it instead of having to, um, kind of face the confrontation of saying what I think. Would you yeah, agree? He's, with that, he's a very withdrawn person. Yeah. yeah he, he's a withdrawn person. There's yeah. He's, he's never going to make any sort of controversy with his mouth. Well, he has, but. Not yeah. in this context. And a yeah. last comment here from Alex. Massive L. 
as or as a sport going down this past since 2014-15 with the playoffs and smaller horsepower. Alex, we've hashed it out dozens of times on here. We all agree with you. I mean, I'm sure Gabe does too, right? If you don't, you're going to be Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. No. Um, also, Drew chimes back in. He said, Bell's comments after it were not good at all. All he could say was it's different over and over. Um, That's usually not a good thing. Yeah, and and we've heard a lot of unsettling comments from drivers driving the section car. Um, we've seen a lot of NASCAR kind of trying to fix it in a way. Um, they keep changing the spoiler around. They keep changing that big shark fin out around. They keep changing the horsepower around. Um, they won't just let the drivers figure it out. They keep trying to make it as easy as possible to drive, it seems like. Yeah, I'm just confused. It's like it's almost like they don't know what they're doing. I don't want to say that directly. Then oh, again, it's NASCAR, so like maybe they don't know what they're doing. Would you agree with that, Gabe? I mean, when is the last time NASCAR has known what it's doing? Is <laughs> kind of the I, I I'm I'm worried. I, I'm definitely at the worried stage now with, with the next-gen car. Yeah. Um, and I think we've said it on here before um, that this next-gen car is going to be the make-or-break for NASCAR. If they can figure it out and produce good racing, awesome. The sport will continue as it is um, as far as fan base-wise. If it if it doesn't and it flops and we see a ton of drivers leave, that's going to, be, that's going to put NASCAR down on the same level as – basically IMSA in the United States where we're getting 500,000 viewers a race, maybe, you know. And it's terrible because IMSA is really, really good racing. And, and IMSA is great racing. Yeah. Such a shame. Like, yeah. I don't know how to see it. Drew, one last one before I wrap this up here. He says, I'm just ready to go all in on World of Outlaws, Super Late Models, and now the new – um outlaw midgets i'm right there with you dude um i'm going full time world of outlaws this next year i'm a huge fan of super late models regardless if it's dirt or pavement um i'm right there with you um actually okay that's kind of a good (laughs) you good game um kind of a a segue into the the outro oh i just saw you saw you kind of struggling there for a second Oh. Um, I went to check my phone for something that started playing a video. <laughs> oh, Borcher, Emil Borcher. He's Emil. He's a long time for person. We've known him forever. So SRX has the potential to seriously overshadow NASCAR if their product continues to improve and NASCAR continues to dwindle. I 100% will do one last woker joke. I'm going to go absolute fucking woke. Um, especially if the SRX schedule expands more than the IROC schedule did. Um, yeah, absolutely. thousand percent. Like Gabe, what do you think? Problems eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I it, 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 it's a long process, I think. Um, yeah. but it, it is, it is in the end going to be a, a woke take for me because right now it's very much like a, let's all go out and have some fun kind of series. And it's mm-hmm. not really quite serious, but, you know, knowing, knowing Tony, 
if he, if he has the power to make a real racing series, he's going to take it. Yeah, I, I'm kind of on the fence, but I, I do think that that sort of, you know, let's just be fun. Let's embrace the, 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 the chaos part of it. It'll be popular eventually. And I think if NASCAR doesn't really pay attention to that, then they're probably going to, they're going to lose a lot of people to SRX because it seems like NASCAR is kind of in the middle, right? They're like, you know, we want to manufacture chaos, but at the same time, we want to try and pretend that we're still a pure sport. Whereas SRX is like, I don't care. Let's just have fun. I think that that kind of thing is going to be big for the future because you're going to see that entertainment that NASCAR has been pushing for without it being illegitimate because everyone knew that that's what the purpose of SRX was to begin with. So there's no one really questioning its legitimacy. So I think they have a perfect blueprint to cash in on that kind of thing that NASCAR is not doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree completely. Um, well, it's been a great show, you guys. Um, I had a lot of fun. Gabe, I hope you had a lot of fun coming on. We definitely need to get you back um, for at least F1 next year, maybe a couple times, Yeah. depending on how much of a shit show this next season is. Um, you got anyone that you want to yeah. plug? Oh, it has, it has potential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Fernando Alonso is the best driver in the world, everybody. Just, just to clear that one up. Muted. Yeah, that's, that's, no, that's all that I need to say on that. Definitely not biased. <laughs> Nate, you got any final plugs before I close this out here? Um, I don't have any plugs other than hopefully no, the no. plan comes to fruition. Hell yeah. Well, I think I'm good on mine as well. Please check us out at FanFuelMSM on Twitter. Um, that's capital F, capital F, capital MSM. That's kind of where we're the most vocal as of recently. Um, we're going to try to get our Facebook post more up there. Really, I need to do a better job of that. Blame me. Nate's doing great on Twitter. Um, follow us on Facebook. Um, check us out on YouTube. We live stream these every week on YouTube as well, not just the uh, main social media platforms of Twitter and Facebook. Um, and be sure to check us out at fanfuelmotorsports.com. We have tons of opinion articles on there. Um, we're going to get more into news as the season ramps back up. Um, tons of different content from not just NASCAR, but F1, but IndyCar dirt racing as well. Um, basically anything with an engine that we watch, we're going to fill you guys in on it. Um, so please check us out on there. And until then, we'll see you next time. See you.